Spread love. Doom, doom, doom. Spread love. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to POV with Kristen Gilmore, where I interview interesting people that you and I are getting to know together. This podcast was created to enlighten, enrich, and inform. The basis is to spread love and extend God's grace to yourself and others. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of POV with Kristen Gilmore. I'm so happy to have you join me today. I can't wait for you to get to know her. We're actually getting to know her together. Now, this beautiful human I've met probably four times now, though we haven't had any deep conversations. She's a deep soul. When you meet her, first you stop and say, wow, that's a woman who's well put together, who cares about how she presents, but is so easygoing that she could be easily judged improperly. That's why we're not supposed to be judging in the first place. You all, I can't wait for you to get to know, or us to get to know, Ms. Sheila Barlow. Thank you, Ms. Sheila, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. Listen, I thank you for making time. Um, I must say, the first time I met you, all I could think about was, whoa. <laughs> and I say, whoa, that way, because you have this presence that says, I've arrived. But it's so easy. It's like, I've arrived with ease. I've arrived with gentleness. I've arrived with self-care. I've arrived with presence. And I hope you've arrived, too. Are you aware of that? No, I'm not. Mm. But and just the other day, someone said to me, they said, Sheila, you, you, you make things look so easy. I said, well, it's not always like that. It's just, that's a gift from God. It really is. It's a beautiful gift from God. And I thank him for it. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Sheila, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. So, you know, I live in Covington, Tennessee, but I was not born and raised in Covington. I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. I have no sisters and brothers. I have lots of cousins, so I have, I think I saw a painting one time that says cousins by the dozens, and I do have a lot of cousins. I attended a private school, and I attended the University of Memphis. It was Memphis State at that time. Uh, I worked for pharmaceutical company, but I worked on the consumer end. So I worked for Sharon and Plow, which later became Merck, which later became Bear. I worked in the logistics area. And I did have a little a little modeling event while I worked there at Sharon Plow. I had the opportunity to be the face of Shades of You when they launched the product uh, back I guess it was in the early 90s, um, I had the opportunity to be the face of Shades of You. So we had a big marketing division there for Maybelline, and we had a salon. Uh, there was a lady named Ross who, she would come in from New York, and she was like back and forth from New York to Memphis. So she kind of came to my desk one day and asked me if I, would like to be the, sh- the the face for Shades of You. And of course I said yes. And off to the studio I went. But all the shooting was done there in Memphis. So 
that's a little bit about me. Is there any question you have for me? I've got plenty of questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) How did you, you started out saying that you were, you didn't have any siblings. You were an only, but with lots of cousins. How did it feel growing up being an only? I don't know. I asked my parents that one time, how did I wind up being an only, especially back in when I was born. My father said, this is what my father told me. He said, I tried to get your mother to have another child, but she was so excited and so overjoyed with you. He said, it just wasn't happening. (laughs) But growing up without any siblings, it was good because I lived in, in like, we lived in apartments first, and there were lots of kids there. So I still always had friends and people to play with. And then one of my mother's sisters had 13 kids. Another one had eight. So I didn't grow up alone. Nice. So you always were around people. So even though you were an only, you kind of didn't feel like you were an only? No, I never, never did feel like an only. And my parents' house was always a house where if they had younger cousins or younger sisters and brothers, they always would allow them to come and live with them. So it was always someone else in the house while they were trying to get themselves together, you know, finding a job in Memphis. Because my father was from Arkansas and my mother was from Mississippi. So the the family some people in the family they would come from mississippi or arkansas and they would live at my parents house and and they would find jobs and move on and so i was really never alone that's pretty awesome do you think having such a huge family and your parents being so supportive of everyone else who was on their journey it made you who you are i definitely do because they were very supportive of others and You know, my mother always told me that she always wanted me to be loving. She always wanted me to know how to share. And she wanted me to be kind because she said she was always afraid that she would not live until I became an adult and I would have to stay with someone else. And she really did not want anyone being mean to her child. So, you know, she made sure that I knew how to share. My cousins had, it was 13 of them. And you know, I, it was only me, and I, I did get lots of things, but and my mother would make me give things away. She would not allow me to give things away that I didn't want. I had to give things away that I really liked. So that really helped me to become the person I am. Mm. That's something. That's, wow, Mama. So, <laughs> So if your parents were worried about you, like, Growing up and being raised by someone else, did they have you when they were older? They did. Mm. I think I think back then, I think my mother was probably, for the era I was born in, yes, because she was probably 27, which was not old. But, mm-hmm. you know, everybody else probably had kids. And my dad was probably 32. Okay. So, you know, that, yeah, that was, that was kind of old for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, parents are... They're special, especially when you have special parents, because everyone doesn't, you know, and I, I guess I kind of take that for granted sometimes because we're all on our journey of life. What lessons would you say you've learned 
or the best lessons you've learned from your parents that still stand true for you today? The best lesson I've learned is, you know, to be who I am. I cannot be anyone else. Just be yourself. And my mother always told me that first impressions will uh, last in impressions. And I always try to make a good first impression. Um, and they also taught me to be giving and really kind of kind-hearted. I don't let I don't let people's things that's going on and with other people I don't let it bother me. It's like that is not my business. You're still my friend. I love you, but I I can't. I just let a person be a person. Mm-hmm. Let an adult be an adult. Gotcha. But my parents were very, you know, my mother was. She was an excellent baker. She was always baking. I always saw her giving and helping others. So that really rubbed off on me, how she cared for others. So I, I guess that made me kind of like a people person. I really love people. I love helping people. And I hope that when I do this, that they receive it in the right spirit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my dad, I have so many lessons learned from my dad. My dad was really, he was kind of calm. I think I get my mannerism from him because he was very calm and very mild mannered, but he could say things to you and say them in a way that he would let you know how he really felt. He was not angry with you, and he could still remain your friend. But when he walked away, people would say, oh, my, did he really just say that to me? It left you with a thought in your head. Mm. So I think I'm kind of like that. Do you feel like those uh, characteristics have helped you in your career field? Oh, yes, I do. I do. I mean, even when I worked... I remember one evaluation where my uh, manager wrote at the bottom of the uh, evaluation that she said that I always provided the calm spirit in the department to keep others focused. Mm, That's really great. Yeah, I thought that was a lot for a manager to say. You know, I didn't see that in myself, but... She noticed it. I guess that's why she was the manager, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's she's looking out for every aspect of a team that a person presents so they can win. And that's true. Yeah. Miss Sheila, you have, I, I, I must tell you, I don't know much about politics, but I know that you hold a position. Can you help me with this? <laughs> I am a county commissioner, so... You know, in in towns, there are two sides of the government. There's a city and there's a county. So I'm on the county government. My husband died in 2015. So the county executive called and asked me if I would finish out his term. And I said yes, knowing nothing about politics at all. But I knew 
my husband loved politics and he was just all involved in it. So I decided to take the seat and he said, in 2016, you'll have to run the next year. I said, he said, and I really wish you would run. I said, okay, I'll think about it. So I, I served from 2015 until August of 2016. That's when the election was. But during that time, I learned a whole lot about county government and how it operates and how it runs. I serve on the finance committee. So the finance committee is responsible for every dollar that comes into our county. It's allocated out to the sheriff's department, the school system, public works, which is roads and general welfare, that's ambulance and, you know, all of that. But I have served, I'm going into, at the end of this term, I will have served for 10 years, something that was just a, just filling a seat after someone passed has really become like a joy to me. I really do enjoy it. Goodness. One, my apologies for the loss of your husband. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Two, you um, filling in that seat. Evidently, they saw something in you yet again, just like that other job. They saw something in you and said, wow, you know what? She would be a great addition to, you know, the county, to this position. What made you say yes? Because you could have said no. I, I don't know. I mean... I don't really know what made me say, say yes, because I really did not know anything about politics. You know, my husband would come in and, and talk some about politics, but I I just did not know all of the things that I know now. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was, you know, they, you know, your life is already designed for you so that was part of my journey mm-hmm. I believe that yes so that's how I I um, got into politics good because you know our county is debt free we've done a lot of things here in the county and I think that's why I stay on the county commissioner because they're doing some good work here mm-hmm. I think it's great when you believe in what you're a part of and you yes. see change that matters. And that's true. It is. Um, I, um, like I said, I took my husband's seat in 2015. I ran for office in 2016 and won. But then in 2018, I had to run again. And I won then. And I just won the election in August of this year. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. In all of the lessons that you can remember at this moment, what's been one of your greatest challenges or struggles in life? Well, I guess my greatest challenge and struggle in life was when I lost my husband, you know. That was that was a big loss because at that time my parents were living and I had two ill parents that I was dealing with and my husband died suddenly. So it was like that was truly unexpected and then there was a family business that 
I had never worked in before because I always worked for corporate America, mm. for family business. And then I had to learn how to run the business. So that was very challenging for me. But there were good people who stepped in to help. I learned a lot and it's still going right along. What did you learn about yourself during that time? I really learned that I was resilient. <laughs> and that, you know, even though I had a I had so many things on me at that time, so many things, because my my husband had passed away, my parents lived in Memphis. So I was coming back and forth from Memphis to Covington to try to run the business. That was every day. My mother was completely bedridden. My father was up and about, but I could see that his health was declining. So he finally became bedridden. So I was taking care of two bedridden parents. But I did have help. But I did learn that I was resilient. I really did because... I did so many things that I thought I could not do. Hmm. What advice would you give someone who's going through a similar situation? To don't give up because it's not going to be like that always. The situation will change and your entire life will change. Things that you thought that you couldn't do You'll, you'll be able to do them again because during that time when I was taking care of my parents, I couldn't do anything because I'm an only child. I really didn't, if, if, I, if the caregiver couldn't stay or if I couldn't find a family member to stay, it was all on me. So traveling for me was out of the question. Mm. But my dad said to me one day, he said, don't, he said, don't worry about this. He said, uh, you'll be able to travel. He said, he'll say you get so many opportunities to go until you won't be able to go. And that's how it's been. Mm. Hm. <laughs> yeah. Wisdom. In all things of- change. Nothing stays the same. And when you're going through, you just truly have to stay focused. That's what I say is, if God allowed all of this to happen, he's going to see you through. Yeah. What did you learn in love? Has your definition of love changed over time? I don't think so. Okay. You know, I, I have learned in love. I was looking at a couple of the, uh, the other day that I know that had some challenges in in their marriage. And this was probably when I first got into this area. And, you know, there was a whole lot of things going on with their marriage. But what I admired about them is through it all, they were willing not to sacrifice their marriage. Even though when, when things are not going the way you want them to, don't sacrifice your marriage. If you feel like your marriage is worth fighting for, you need to fight for your marriage. That's great advice. That's great and advice. I, and I truly believe that that you you know, it's sometimes it's hard to walk away, but when you make up your mind to walk away, 
it kind of becomes a little easy. But to stay there and to really, really make it work, that says a lot about a person. Mm-hmm. Couple. Yeah. Yeah, or about both of them, because it takes two. <laughs> and I, that's that's something I've all that's what I've learned that even marriage is hard, even when it's good. Mm-hmm. So, yes, ma'am. And and you know what I I think it's it's beautiful, or it's beautiful pain sometimes. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. It is. And love in general, friendship. Sometimes, you know, I've been in relationship, but I had a stronger friendship. uh, Or my friends taught me how to love more than that romantic relationship did. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell people since I've met a few people since I have, my husband has passed away. And I always say that, you know, I try to protect my heart. I can't fall in love that easily and I don't I can't trust you right away because I'm just I'm just so busy trying to protect my heart I have to get past that Mm -hmm. because there are good people out there and they do have good intentions yeah but if if but if I'm busy trying to protect my heart I'm going to miss something I'm glad you're aware of that you know I have to remind myself, uh, when I first moved to New York, you know, I was, my parents had me convinced that there were muggers, thieves uh, at every turn. And I, I used to feel like, Lord, you're not here. You're not here, Jesus. You're not here. And he told me, Kristen, if you're there, I'm there. And he also, in my spirit, said, if you are there, there are like-minded people like you there, too. And that is so true. That is so true. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we put things in our mind. We have all of these things in our minds, and our minds will play tricks on us and give us thoughts that we really shouldn't have. But I heard one minister say that God didn't give you but one mind, and that first thought is probably the thought that you should follow. Hmm. When you start thinking all of those other thoughts, mm-hmm. you're going in the wrong direction. Mm. Good advice. Miss Sheila, how can people get to know more about you? I'm kind of like a little open book. If you, you know, if you see me, I can be chatty. And if you want to find out more about me, just ask me. Okay. Are you on social media or? I'm on, uh, I'm on Facebook. Okay. I'm on I'm on Instagram. I don't know that I have a lot of posts out there on Instagram, but I am on Facebook. Okay. Do you know, um, is it just your name, Sheila Barlow? So one is Commissioner Sheila Barlow, and the other one is Sheila Graham Barlow. Wonderful. I'll make sure. And, uh, and is it Graham like Golden Graham? Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Yes, like graham crackers, Uh, which I love with chocolate and uh, marshmallows. (laughs) Yes, s'mores. S'mores. Right, I haven't had s'mores in a while. How did we get on s'mores, Miss Barlow? It's the graham. 
<laughs> I've got one more question for you, Miss Sheila. Okay. What would you want people to take away from meeting you? Oh. I want them to take away that I am resilient, that I am kind, that I am I am approachable too. That's important to me because like you said, people look at me and think that I'm not approachable, but I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also like for them to know that I I love people. I really do. I love them. And I can't think of anything else. Well, then that's that's all it is, and that's all it needs to be. That's great. Miss Sheila, I give this to every one of my guests. And you deserve it just as much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well deserved. And thank Thank you. Thank you for being um, such a warm soul, aware of the power you carry and unaware. It's kind of beautiful at the same time because people see all these things in you that you either know or aren't aware of, but you allow them to sit with you. Oftentimes people want to, people think things and they don't say them out loud. I'm so happy that you've been blessed with people who told you what they see and how you extend grace, gifts, and love into this world. And Ms. Sheila, thank you for being up for every challenge you met and showing up however you could. Because what that did for me in this moment is it showing me or preparing me for those moments that I'm going to have in the future because nothing we go through is only for ourselves. And that's true. That is true. That This is one thing I, um, when my husband passed away, I remember my, I told my father, I said, well, you know, I don't know if I can, if I'm going to be able to make it. He said, you're going to make it. He said, you know, you, you, you're going to have, hard days but you have to get up fix yourself up and just move forward and there were days that I just really wanted to give up but I always heard that in my head that that I needed to keep moving forward and stay focused well I'm glad you did I'm glad you did you all I hope you took some words of wisdom from Miss Sheila, how to find your own resilience, how to stand in your power, how to be still when you need to. I also pray that the next time someone pays you a compliment, you receive it with your whole heart and you hear it because you deserve to. Life is unpredictable and we don't know what's around the bend. The best we can do is show up the best way we know how, give ourselves some grace and some love. And remember, like Miss Sheila said, just get up. Just get up. Thank you all for listening. I love you. Till next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of POV with Kristen ha. Gilmore. See you next time. Bye. Ha. Ooh.
Ha. Ooh.